The following message is by Pastor Steve Lee of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found online at www.emmanuelcommunity.org. Feels like we should be wrapping up, but there's a sermon coming, so sorry. <laughs> Feels like a marathon, you know. Um, I did want to share a brief word in light of this uh, installment of Peter as an elder to the church to do a little bit more uh, teaching on this issue of eldership and what it represents for ICC. And so I'm going to look at uh, a few verses in this book of Acts, chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 22 to 31. And it reads, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. And he says, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of the God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth and in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day, with tears. Let's pray. Lord, open our eyes to understand the truths being spoken by the Apostle Paul, of what it means to be a shepherd of your church, and what your design is, your purpose is for the leadership that you have installed within your body. And out of the obedience to that command, may we experience your blessing as a community of what you intended us to be in Christ Jesus. For we pray these things in his name. Amen. You know, it's a difficult moment when you actually have to say goodbye to somebody for a final time. I don't actually know if many of you actually know that experience because truth is quite often we don't know when it's going to be the last time that we would ever see someone. But there may be those rare moments in your life where you come to realize that this is a final goodbye. That at least in this lifetime, this will be the last that you see someone. During my years as a missionary in Kenya, I had a chance to work together uh, really closely with this elderly Scottish missionary nurse. Uh, by the name of Nettie Sinclair. And uh, she basically, as a veteran missionary, uh, helped us to start our nursing school in Capsuar, where I was working as the medical director of that hospital. And so over the, that couple years of setting up the school, I had these uh, fond memories of long car rides with Nettie, uh, crisscrossing the country uh, on hospital business, trying to get this nursing school built. And... Uh, sharing uh, laughs over meals in these little African cafes out of the middle of nowhere, like where this picture was taken uh, with Nettie. 
But after the nursing school finally opened, uh, Nettie ended up retiring as a missionary, and she returned back home to Scotland. And I just loved, I just sometimes could close my eyes and listen to her talk. I love the Scottish accent. I, every time she spoke, I felt like I was watching Braveheart, you know, that movie, you know? <laughs> she had these, these rolling R's and just such a beautiful way of talking. But, you know, she returned back to Scotland. And I ended up actually surprisingly leaving Kenya as well to return to the United States because of medical issues that I had. And so we hadn't seen each other for about like three, four years. And then in 2012, uh, we were reunited in Kenya when both of us returned to participate in the graduation of the first class of nursing students that was graduating from that school. And so it was a great time to see an old friend again. And so during those few days leading up to the graduation ceremony, we sat together and had tea together. And we reminisced about everything that we had gone through together to get this nursing school started. And then when the time had finally come and the graduation ceremonies were over, uh, before leaving the U.S., I stopped by at the house that she was staying in to say goodbye to Nettie. And there was this sort of heaviness in my heart as I realized that this would probably be the last time that we ever would see each other. You know, I couldn't imagine another scenario, at least this side of heaven, where I'm ever going to be able to talk with her again. And so there was this kind of weight over that conversation of, how do you say goodbye for the last time? How do you say that to somebody? For the Apostle Paul, this was also a final farewell. Heading to Jerusalem, Paul senses through the Holy Spirit that this is his final journey. He seems to know that despite all of the imprisonment and beatings and everything that he's gone through, God revealed to him, this is it. This is the end of your journey, Paul. And so as he's heading to Jerusalem and he's still in Asia, he's in this city called Miletus, and he tells the sent by messenger to Ephesus, which is nearby, and he says, uh, gather the elders of Ephesus to come to me so that I can talk with them a final time. And you can imagine what an emotional moment that must have been. I'm, I'm assuming there was a lot of hugging, a lot of tears being wiped away. Paul had actually planted the church in Ephesus. This is one of the few churches he actually planted. And out of that church he planted, he actually spent three entire years in Ephesus discipling these believers and pouring his life into the Christians there until finally after those three years, he handed over the authority to the church, of the church, to this group of elders. And so now as he senses that his life is coming to an end, he gathers these same brothers that he entrusted the church to and he has these words that he wants to impart to them. Paul begins with a charge to the elders to first keep watch over their own lives before thinking about others. In other words, yes, you are commissioned to look over the lives of others, but before you do that, let the focus be first on yourself. I shared this with the children's ministry teachers, but whenever you fly in a plane, in the case of an emergency, parents are always instructed what? To put your own oxygen mask before you put your child's mask. And I think they emphasize that because if that actually happened where those oxygen masks drop, I think every instinct of a parent is to do what? You want to put that mask first on your kid. But that could be a deadly mistake because if the cabin actually depressurizes, 
You literally have seconds before you pass out. And while you are struggling to put that mask on your child, you may black out and then your kid and you are dead. You have basically killed both of them. And so this message is you got to first take care of yourself before you can take care of your child. And I think that's the same sense in which Paul is speaking to these elders. He says, if you really want to be a servant to the church, you've got to first guard your own walk with God before you can be a help to others. Because I think the truth is, one of the dangers of leadership in the church is that when you become a leader, you somehow think that you've arrived, that you get a pass when it comes to evaluating your own spiritual temperature. And so you don't think you will have to experience the same struggles or temptations that others face. But the Bible makes it very clear, just because you're a leader doesn't make you immune to the same struggles everyone goes through. Paul warns his disciple Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul applies the same principle in his own life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 to 27. I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul acknowledges the very real danger that leaders face. That you can be so focused on telling other people how to get right with God. That you actually end up neglecting your own walk with God. And your own need for his grace. And so Paul begins and says, look first at yourself and guard your own hearts. You know, this phrase, keep watch over yourselves, is a bit ambiguous. And it could mean that each elder is supposed to watch over his own, his own life. Or it could mean that as a group of you, you should be watching over each other when it says yourselves in the plural. And it may very well be that Paul has both of those ideas in mind. You know, it's interesting that when you look through the New Testament, a one elder church is unknown. There's really no church anywhere in the New Testament where they just had one elder. Every time elders are invoked in a local community, it is always used in the plural. The idea is that there ought to be a group of elders who lead the church together. And an ancient poet of Rome once famously said, who's watching the watchers, right? Who is watching the watchers. Um, it's the idea that when you keep climbing this ladder of accountability and you get to the top of that chain, who is watching those people in highest authority? Which in the situation of the church would be the elders. Who's watching the elders? And I think that is why the way that God designed church leadership is that it ought to be plural. It shouldn't be one single pastor who stands before the church like a dictator and says, pretty much my way or the highway. This church is mine, and whatever I decree is the way it's going to go here. The way that God designed it is let there be a community of men who rule together, and out of that mutuality of, of peership and accountability and watching over each other, let them guard one another and call each other out. Unless that happens in a church, there is not healthy leadership. I think there's always that fear when people see the top ranks of leadership that what it basically amounts to is an old boys club, right? 
Is, you know, like, these are, I don't know, it's like people probably wonder, like, what do you guys do as elders? You guys sit around and eat popcorn and watch Netflix and kind of pat each other on the back, you know? It's like, what do you feel like doing with ICC, you know? I want to tell you that, with sincerity, that the elders at ICC, it is not an old boys network. Um, There have been real difficult moments in our elder board where we've had to speak truth and love into each other's lives sometimes very painfully so. And that's a commitment that we as elders of the church make to you, is our commitment to let this principle of speaking the truth in love begin with us, to safeguard any one leader in the church from allowing the church to go in a direction that dishonors God. Well, Paul also commanded the elders not only to watch over themselves, but to also watch over the flock, to shepherd God's church. Now, I don't know if you caught it, but what this implies is that you guys are sheep and that you need a shepherd. And let's be honest, that's not typically how a, a, a modern American thinks in this culture. You know, it's kind of saying like, hey man, I'm an independent adult. Like, why are you saying I need a shepherd? But that's actually what the Bible teaches. I I think the truth is for many of us, we think church is a great place to get solid teaching. And it's a, a great place to have fellowship, to worship together, and to find some good friends. But to describe the church as a place where you, like a sheep, come to be shepherded, I think, if we're honest, for some of us, may sound downright insulting, patronizing. But that's, in fact, what the Bible teaches. In this series that we just wrapped up last week, um, I pointed out that the primary way that we experience God's love for us is through the love that we share with one another. Well, I would argue that the same is true for God's shepherding care over us. The primary way that God shepherds us is through the shepherding care of the elders that he has placed over his church. Now, that shepherding care includes a lot. It includes the teaching and the counseling ministry of the elders. It also involves correcting and disciplining. Elders are to protect the members from outside dangers as well as self-inflicted harm. Elders are to show hospitality and care and shepherding love for the members that are in need in their moments of struggle. I think this is why it's so important to commit yourself to a local church. By God's design, he intended to express his shepherding care over you through the care of human leaders, the elders of a church. We look at this in our membership class, but this is a quote by John Piper. The New Testament knows of no Christians who are not accountable members of local churches. Lone Ranger Christians are a contradiction because becoming a Christian means being united to Christ. And union with Christ expresses itself in union with the local body of believers. It seems to us that in the New Testament, to be excluded from the local church was to be excluded from Christ. That's the whole idea of excommunication. This is why the issue of membership is so important. Are you an accountable member of a local church? Not just is your name somewhere, but are you committed to discipline and being disciplined according to biblical standards? Have you publicly declared your willingness to be shepherded and to be led by the leaders of a local church? Do you see yourself and your gifts as part of an organic ministering body? 
Do you show by your firm attachment to Christ's body that you are attached to Christ? Church membership is a blood-bought gift of God's grace. More than most of us realize, it is a life-sustaining, faith-strengthening, joy-preserving means of God's mercy to us. I urge you not to cut yourself off from this blessing. This is such an important understanding of what it means to live out the Christian life is to connect yourself to a body of believers so that ultimately you can submit to the authority of a group of elders who have committed to keeping watch over you and helping you in this journey of faith. To be honest with you, like about a third of the counseling that I do in my own pastoral ministry is for people outside of ICC. I regularly meet with people outside ICC. And it's often because they're in situations where they don't have this shepherding care of a pastor who is watching over them. And so every time that situation happens, I grieve it. And what I almost always ask is, do you have a pastor that you can go to first before you come to me? Because I don't have a, I don't have a shingle out there that's a counselor, okay? I'm not a professional Christian counselor. But what grieves me is how many people in the Chicagoland area are wandering like shepherdless sheep. And so when they're in a moment of crisis or need help, they don't know who to turn to. So not uncommonly, I get this email and says, I'm in a real bind. Pastor Steve, could you meet with me? But this is not what God intended. What God intended is that every one of us can point to someone and say, those are my shepherds. Those are the people that watch over me and help me and are committed to me. So that in my moment of need, they are there. Notice that the command to elders is to watch over the entire flock. Every single member ought to receive this care. It says, all the flock. Not just the ones that you like. Not just the members who give the most money in offering. Not just the ones that are easy to deal with. But it says, every sheep in the flock deserves this shepherding care. That weight of responsibility is tremendous for the elders of a church. And what that represents is this. However we grow numerically as a church in the days ahead, the work of the elders has to scale to meet that need of being able to offer genuine member care and shepherding in that way. The motivation that Paul gives the elders is to point out that each member in the church is a precious soul, purchased by Christ's own blood. What what this brought to me was a day when I think I was asked to watch my nephew when he was first born, my brother's son. And it was just for a couple hours, but I had to watch him. But there was just this weird feeling of looking into this kid's eyes and seeing my brother's eyes in him, you know, and watching over him. I've held babies before. I even held my own child. But there was just this weird feeling like this little bundle that I'm holding is like the most precious thing in the world to my brother and his wife, Jeannie. And so like I felt this weird burden. Like I didn't almost want to hold him because I was like, what if I drop him or something like that? I couldn't bear the weight of that responsibility. It felt so heavy because I realized if anything happens to this child under my care, what is going to happen to my brother? He's going to be devastated. And I think that's the picture that Jesus paints is Care for these sheep because I died for them. I died for them and I love them. And so you love them in that understanding. 
The prophet Zechariah in chapter 2 verse 8 speaks of God's people and says, For whoever touches you, touches the apple of my eye. Whoever lays a hand on you, touches the most sensitive part of my body. You know, it's that, that, that pupil reflex, right? It's just like, you know, it's just, whatever touches you, touches that which is most precious to me. So shepherd this flock for whom I have given my life. One of the primary ways that the elders are to call, are called to care for the church is to protect from the many attacks that it faces. The picture that Paul paints for the elders is of a church that is under constant attack from the outside as well as the inside. What it means is that we're in the midst of a great spiritual battle and that there are many enemies of God who would like nothing more than to tear down the church of Jesus Christ. And so the call to the elders is be vigilant constantly for all of these different attacks that are going to come the church's way. Whether it's false teaching or a spirit of divisiveness and disunity. And, you know, I know many of you are curious about what we do as elders in our meeting because some of you actually frankly ask me. You know, and sometimes it's like, you know, a little bit of cynicism going like, how much could there really be to talk about in our church, you know? Like, but here's the thing is we do talk about everything from updating of our website to issues about uh, retreat planning to budget planning. I mean, all of that stuff ends up at the desk of the elders, But if there is actually one thing that does consume a lot of our energy is this very thing that we're talking about. Our elder meetings typically begin around 6.30 or 7 at night. And it is pretty regular that we get done around 1.30 to 2 in the morning. Okay, That's how long our elder meetings go. So, Kim, you're not going to see your husband much anymore these coming days. But... It's like, what in the world do we talk about? A huge part of what we're talking about is this very thing, is where are the attacks coming in our church? Where we sense Satan trying to plant a seed of division or judgmentalism or whatever else it might be and saying, how do we stop that work from planting a seed and destroying this church? And it's been sometimes the truth, to be honest with you, but incredibly painful. We've had to part ways in some very deeply cherished friendships over this very issue of wrong teaching and saying, gosh, it it just kills me, but we have to stand for this and we have to protect the church. And out of that have come some scars that we've borne as an elder board that have still left a mark in my heart. But this is the commitment that we have as elders of this church. And in light of that, this is why we covet your prayers as a church, is to pray for us that we would have the enablement of God and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to lead this church as God calls us to. Let's pray. As we close up our time, I want to actually ask something different of you because I think most of the time after one of our services, we tend to look very inwardly at your own lives and what you're going through. But what I'm going to actually invite you to do is to uh, pray an intercession for the elders of our church. And if you would pray for me, pray for Joseph, pray for Andy, and now pray for Peter. We are flawed beings, just as Peter testified. We are broken people. We all have weaknesses. None of us are going to stand before you and claim that we're better than you, we're perfect. We all struggle in our own ways. But we need God's grace, and we need God's strength. 
And so can we just spend this time closing our service, praying for the elder board, and just asking God to protect us, help us, strengthen us, watch over us, help us that we can serve you well and do what God has called us to do. And so let's just pray for that for a couple minutes, and then our worship team will come and lead us in a time of closing.